Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name is Windy, and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy and my wonder kid, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Hello, mate. Bardi's back in town. Bardi's back in town. <laughs> He's back from Columbia. You missed me. We missed you, mate. We missed you, and the listeners did even more. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How you been? It, I'm, I'm great. It's, it was just really difficult to get to get in the place where I had Wi-Fi and a bit of time because obviously the time difference. I was travelling around a lot, so it was it was hard. So when you were having having a go at me for not doing homework, it, it was literally because I had no internet and I was buying top up on my SIM card data. So yeah, you had you had such slack, good mate. intentions as well. You like you took your mic out there with you, didn't you? And you... <laughs> It had the idea to to try and make something happen, but it just didn't work I, out. I took my microphone to to Medellin where I was staying, then out to the countryside in a place called Tamazis where I stayed on a cocoa and a cocoa farm, and then I took it all the way to the coast. But I just everywhere I went, I was it was just too rural, man. I couldn't get hold of um, decent Wi-Fi. But you had a good time, right? Fantastic time. Um, a winter break is something I highly recommend for podcasters, uh, football managers and Harry Kane. <laughs> <laughs> nice. If only. If only. Yeah. Um, so Nathan and I have spoken a lot about the last uh, few weeks, but we haven't had your thoughts, Bardi. What have you made of the goings on at Spurs? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get where you guys are coming from. I'm a bit more positive that Mourinho's taken a very unbalanced team and a team that was failing quite badly under Pochettino. And at least he's he's changed a he's changed the results the results have improved we've moved up towards the table and we're now at least in a top four kind of conversation rather than being middle to lower end of the Premier League where um of course I'm not happy with the style of play but I think he's I think he's doing okay with what he's got and I I refuse to be bogged down with this this season is almost a bit of a write-off and I will give him a free pass as long as this kind of Southamptons don't come along but at the moment we've been we've been getting results where in in the past we weren't getting results so that that three points at Wolves even though it was quite a dogged performance was great the fight back against Brian was solid and you know I'm I'm still overly positive with it and I refuse to get too negative or down about it. That's fair enough. I I, I kind of agree with you that the season is a write-off, but I don't think Mourinho sees it that way. I, I feel like um, he desperately wants us to finish in the top four. And at the mm. moment, that looks like a hugely optimistic uh, worldview. Uh, are you hopeful that we can maybe sign a player or two in the January transfer window and change our fortunes a little bit? 
Yeah, I, I think I think you can kind of see what he's doing, but he's just he's just lacking like Pochettino was. He's lacking players in key areas, and also the, there's been a massive drop off on. Um, I'm sure we'll get into it. Vertonghen and other kind of kind of steady Eddie guys who you could rely on. They've their form has dropped or just their ability is gone. But, but if we sign a, a central midfielder, if we can replace Harry Kane for the six weeks or so he's going to be out, then I don't I don't think top four is out of it. Leicester are an excellent team, but they they they're one or two in injuries away from falling apart and Chelsea are extremely brittle and I, I think we'll be there or thereabouts for a top four push and I'm I'm happy that he, he he's aiming for that and um, yeah if we finish top four and we get to the quarterfinals of Champions League semi-final of the FA Cup perhaps win it then it's it's been a good season but I top four would be an amazing achievement but I, 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 I'm not sure I think we might. I don't. Know. I'm contradicting myself now. We're gonna do it. I mean, we're, we're so we're six points off fourth at the moment, and we're nine points off eighteenth. Um, and honestly, at this point, I <laughs> I feel like uh, finishing in the bottom half is just as likely as finishing in the top four right now. No, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. I think. Um, I think we'll be all right, Windy. I mean, come I'm, on, man, we'll be so, all right. I, I, I'm not saying that's uh, Mourinho's fault, by the way. I, I I strongly believe that if we were to finish in the bottom half, it wouldn't be anything. It wouldn't be Mourinho's fault. Um, the squad is just broken, fundamentally broken, and and now we have players that are broken as well, and that's concerning. We'll, we'll talk about Kane in a bit, but um, let's talk about Borough uh, first. We're, we're recording post Middlesbrough, and actually, there's quite a lot of negativity on social media. I actually thought there were some positives to take from this game. Um, Nathan, what did you make of the match? Uh, frustrating to watch. Uh, but we so there were definitely positives in terms of this is a game that we saw us actually control the play and move the ball well through the first or even the first two thirds of the pitch into the final thirds and like at, at least like attempt and put together some attacking moves. They weren't fruitful and there was definitely like a lack of creativity both individually and uh, systemically. But you can say like at least we've seen Spurs control a game in recent weeks. Absolutely, and and that came with another switch in formation so we played a back three again with Vertonghen Alderweireld and this time Eric Dyer in, in the back line we had a positional player as Mourinho likes to likes to call them uh, in Harry Winks in midfield I thought Winks had a really uh, positive start to the game before getting an, another kick on the ankle uh, and he was kind of doing what you expect Winks to do which is always being at the base of the triangles and moving the ball swiftly into the feet of players who could do damage the problem was that we weren't really doing a lot in the final third and I felt Delhi in particular had a, a poor game he to me looked very very tired and Bardi what did you make of the match yeah it, w- it was a difficult one I, I'm not sure um, the back three uh, helped us we looked a lot better going to back four I thought Winks was okay uh, but the, for me the standout performers were Lamella and Lacelso. those guys absolutely changed the game Lacelso, I'm, I'm not sure why he didn't start Perhaps at some point, maybe a Winks and a Celso duo might work. I think he's he's really good on the ball, and he's he he hits a, he picks up passes that Winks and Dyer aren't able to do. Mm. So there's positives there. Lamella was excellent. I thought um, Lucas played a, Lu- a typical Lucas Cup game. He seems to like really shine in cup matches where it's a bit to and fro and the uh, gaps open up. But I, I thought Son was extremely disappointing, and especially considering his um, his sending off against Chelsea, I thought he he had maybe some kind of making up to do, and I thought he was he was very poor but there were definitely good signs from it and I think what it has done is perhaps single out that Vertonghen is is probably no longer as a starter and hopefully that will um that will wake up um Mourinho and he'll he'll move Vertonghen on 
Let's talk about that. Uh, it was interesting to me that Vertonghen captain decided this, given that he's out of contract in the summer, given that he's been playing particularly poorly. Um, and we were playing quite a high line, and for me, Vertonghen's looked unable to do that for quite some time now. I was really surprised to see us persist with that, and we eventually got caught out when a simple ball over the top um, found Dyer failing to play the offside trapping line with Adivara and Vertonghen, and Vertonghen just looked so slow on the turn and, and couldn't get back to stop Fletch scoring. Um, but it wasn't just that. Vertonghen was losing battles uh, he was making rash decisions he was committing himself he didn't look very athletic at left back it was it was a problem and I'm hoping and, and this could be optimistic I'm hoping that Mourinho would have seen that and won't <laughs> won't persist with him we, we've got to get Sanchez back in the in the back line haven't we Nathan yeah it's interesting that that he's been missing uh two games in a row now um yeah Vertonghen we've been talking about getting slow and old all season um so like it's not like this has appeared out of nowhere but Vertonghen has played um quite a bit of football recently and several of those games at left back so um mm. the reason it could be the case that the reason he appeared like 50 years old today is is because <laughs> he's he's like Delhi he's tired there's a lot going on yeah yeah I think that's a fair point there's some issues with um rotation or lack of um did anything else stand out to you Bardi in, in today's game tactically um I, I, I've quite liked the introduction of Cessignon I mean, I could see why he was sacrificed, but I, I have kind of, even in Southampton, it was kind of a bright spark there. Little, gave the ball away a few times, but I, I like that setup. And I'm, I like um, I like him at left back with um, Aurier, who's he had one of his kind of swinging two from, from mm. good to bad games. I do like that setup, and I would, I would, I would fancy to see Sanchez, Alderweireld, uh, Cessignon and Aurier. I think that's something that we can get behind and something that perhaps has got the future written on it. So I would like to see um, Mourinho continue with that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that Mourinho did say that Cessignon wouldn't start at left-back initially for him, and he has since played him there. Um, I, mm. I guess because of lack of options, partly, but I, I think Cessignon's done a good job, like you say. There's a lot of negativity on um, social media about him, about his um, unwillingness to try and take on his full-back and dominate and get crosses in but you know he's a he's a 19 year old young player coming into a team that's played poorly for the best part of a year and it's going to take him some time to kind of adjust to Spurs' style Spurs' tactics uh, adjust to life in the Premier League again which you know he struggled a little bit with Fulham and to get his confidence back is the main thing like he'll, he'll beat a couple of players and then it'll just come naturally and it'll start mm. flowing he's a very very good player and what I like about him is he does everything right like from a coach's perspective he's, he's always in the right place Place. He does the right things. He makes the right decisions. He's very good at getting himself back on side if if he's made a run forward and a player and the ball doesn't come. Whereas I saw today a couple of times Lucas was getting caught offside in positions that an experienced player really shouldn't. Cessnion's very switched on, very bright. Uh, he's an intelligent player, and when he gets that kind of confidence, I think the bravery will come. And I've got no doubts about that because I've seen him do it for Fulham and for England. So I'm really hopeful on Cessnion. And like you, Bardi, I would continue playing him there. Nathan, how about you? Did anything else catch your eye? Um, it was interesting. How- how um, sort of advanced and aggressive our two central midfielders who were ahead of Winks and Eriksson and Delhi were. It was almost like we were just playing a front four and and Winks was, was on his own a lot of the time just from a tactical standpoint. But then obviously we moved away from that. And in fact, those two eventually became the central pairing on their own without wings behind them uh, towards the end of the game. Yeah, so Delhi, uh, I mean, it's interesting. We should really talk about Delhi a little bit more in, in a bit more detail, I think, because when Mourinho first came in, he was playing him as a second striker and he was scoring and he looked completely revitalised. And then a f- in a few games since then, he's dropped back into midfield. And 
I think we, we've said a few times in this podcast, and we probably all agree, that Delhi is at his best when he's playing further forward. Uh, and he was forced to play a kind of more withdrawn role under Pochettino because we had very few other players who, who could do some of the things that he was doing in midfield. Now, he looks knackered, firstly. He's played a lot of football, and I, I felt he needed a rest today. Um, but also, he was playing deeper again. Nathan, what do you think are the reasons for Mourinho changing this? Um, the needs of the squads and the the just complete emptiness in midfield that we're suffering from, especially at the moment, but we have done all season. Um, but I think he has had a game. Delhi has had a game at number ten recently in which he was hardly involved. So I don't think it's as simple mm. as you know why doesn't he just play at number ten all the time? Because um, yeah, I I think fatigue is is the, is the appears to be the major issue because obviously he was he was flying on his first. And yeah, the Southampton game I think he played as a number ten. Um, and yeah, was just like not in that game at all. So it's it's not as simple as just play him as a number ten and he'll be great. Mm. The Southampton game, which you just touched upon there, was uh, a, a bit of a nightmare, not least because of the scoreline, but also because we lost two of our players. So Ndombele went off after 25 minutes and it seemed to be a recurrence of a, a groin injury, which we knew he'd been suffering with. Uh, Nathan, you've got some thoughts on this, I believe. Uh, oh, well, so Joel, whatever his name is, Wert Weimer or something, suggested the idea that um, it, his sort of repeated reoccurring groin and hip-based injuries may well be a sports hernia because that's how they often appear at first and it be very difficult to diagnose again because they appear as all of these various different muscle strains. Um, so, yeah, that, that that's a, a, an interesting, worrying, but potentially sort of explanatory theory as to what's going on there. And is it reasonable to suggest that we've kind of put him at risk by playing him when uh, he said he was injured? <sighs> yeah, so we went through this thing where Mourinho uh, sort of maybe called him out, although maybe that was exaggerated as well and said, you know... Um, uh, yeah, that he he is sort of shirking away, or suggested he was sort of shirking away and and playing up injuries worse than they were. Um, I I thought that was maybe a slightly harsh interpretation of what mm. Mourinho was saying at the time. But then since then, he's sort of pushed further in that direction by saying, um, well, he said something like, um, you know, you're all excited and full of hope about and Dombele, yeah. Um, yeah. but one moment he's fine, and the next he's injured. Um, yeah, I I mean, I. This idea of calling out players when they're injured, I mean, I, I don't know what to say about that. That's not going to... It's very you know. proper football man. Yeah. The, the other commentary I've seen on this is that perhaps coming off a year of heavy work in his previous season, joining up with Pochettino, uh, having double sessions when he was perhaps carrying a, a knock and then being thrust in when he was, again, still suffering from this injury, uh, was, a, was a bad start. And, and maybe, maybe Mourinho's comments were in relation to the fitness work that the previous setup had done with Ndombele and, and that perhaps that wasn't the best. So perhaps that is one interpretation of his comment. Um, obviously, we're, we're going to hugely miss Ndombele if he's out for any length of time. I've not heard any updates on um, on his injury situation. Uh, but we lost Harry Kane as well. And what does that mean for us, Bardi? Um, that's, well, obviously, it's a, it's a lot of problems because we rely heavily on him. But... Yeah, I don't know. He hasn't looked... I know um, Nathan got in a bit of Twitter trouble the other day <laughs> discussing Kane. He hasn't looked like peak Kane. He's been very useful and he continues to score goals and link up well, but he hasn't looked peak Kane. And I don't think we're a team that relies overly on him as much as we used to. He's still going to hurt us, but I'm, I'm quite interested to see how Mourinho gets through this and what kind of shape we do. And if we can get Son back into one of his rich, run of fame, uh, rich vein of form, then... And 
I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be all right without him. And maybe we need to we need to learn how to function without him properly because this is a recurrent thing. I think this is what three third, three or four seasons in a row where he's missed. He's going to miss a large chunk of it. And I don't I don't see that getting any better over the next four, three four years. Part of the problem is that there's no alternative, Kane. And you know he he's hungry to play every game as all top players are. But the lack of uh, rest leads to him picking up more injuries, and that's an issue. It was an issue even when we had Llorente because even you know even when we had someone who could stand in he wasn't standing in unless Kane was injured so there's no kind of preventative uh, thought there uh, so Mourinho seems interested in in signing a, a rotation striker or a backup striker how would you feel about that Bardi? No I, I think that's a great idea I've always said we needed someone like maybe perhaps another son but maybe someone with a bit more physicality someone who could perhaps play alongside Kane or play instead of Kane um, yeah so I think I think it's, it's what we need yeah someone I, I think that's a really wise suggestion that someone who can play wide but also lead the line if needs be would just it would allow us to to rest Kane or you know at least take him off on 60 minutes if needs be just to sort of stop this ridiculousness of him picking up muscular injuries it's it's yeah. not a good thing it's such a it's such a concern but um Nathan you think there might be some good to come of this and that his ankles get a rest yeah I mean at least there's <laughs> that at least like yeah the like Buddy said before gets a gets a winter break I guess and at least like at least it isn't his ankles again that have seen him off the pitch this time yeah. you know he's spreading the injuries about but you know a, a, a muscular tear is is um repairable soft tissue damage so it's very unlikely that this would have i mean you do occasionally see it like with owen when they've like properly ruptured their hamstrings in such a way that they're obliterated but it doesn't you know the fact that he walked off the pitch and everything suggests that mm. it's uh and uh, you know we'll see him repair and come back but on on the playtime thing it's it's two managers in a row now where they've essentially just played harry kane nearly every minute possibly available twice a week all the time and it's like is this, uh, you get the impression and certainly we've been saying for a while the impression that Kane is like demanding of that time that he wants it mm. um, so you wonder how much having uh, like a decent striker option um, would like actually change that because I don't know and especially at the moment because it's like if you're losing games if you need to like turn things around as soon as you miss out Harry Kane from a game that you lose you get pelters for why didn't you play Harry Kane in this game maybe you get that from Kane as well I don't know that, that's very speculative but um, I don't know just this trend of no one wants to leave Kane on the bench ever does seem weird and I, I kind of I look at Liverpool and the way they manage um, Salah and, and Mane and Firmino's minutes and I, I sort of I really admire um, the way Klopp rotates and he'll bring in Origi and Shakiri every now and again and just leave one of them on the bench um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's very annoying as a, as a fantasy Premier League <laughs> manager uh, when, when one of their players gets up on the bench but it kind of it helps it gives them the rest they need to, to recover and it maintains their fitness and their form and, and Salah and Mane have had very good injury records over the last couple of years I, I I think that's a lot to do with the way that their 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 um, recovery time is managed. Um, how do you think, Nathan? We will cope without Kane. What do you? What kind of? What will we do tactically? Um, well, yeah. Today was interesting because we saw that Sun was preferred up front over Lucas. Um, so I imagine that's what we will see most of going forward. I don't think there's going to be a change of mind based on today. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we there are options in in Sun and Lucas, and then even sort of Lamella and, and Delhi and and sort of more outside ideas like that. Um, I, I I don't think it, it's so. If we go back to the idea of our problem areas, our problem areas being in midfield, and then that also sort of links into fullback because those are similar areas and similar tasks. Mm. 
discs. Um, this isn't really a, a, a compiling of those issues. I'm not going to like say that this is like fine and happy and good, but it, it's not piling onto our existing main issues. So um, it, I don't think it will have an effect on how we play very much. I guess we can't do the lofted highball that is meant to be knocked on or flicked backwards, um, but we will still play over the top. So essentially, I, I don't think it will make much difference to our overall play, just that our finishing will be less good overall. Yeah, and that is a problem. You know, he's a, he's a talented man, he's a goal scorer, he's a supreme penalty taker as well. Um, so that that is a, is a concern. Okay, uh, the other option, of course, is Troy Parrott. Mourinho seemed keen to say that Parrott is not ready yet to be thrown in. And I think that's a, a very reasonable um take that a 17 year old is not ready to kind of cover Kane's minute um what I do think though is that Parrot could definitely do some he could he could play some minute and one thing I would say is that Parrot is physically in a far better position at 17 than someone like Kane himself was uh, Kane wasn't the nimblest he, he was kind of a big big awkward guy and he needed to shape his body finish shaping his body into a Premier League footballer's body Parrot um Parrot is very athletic He's kind of, um, he, he does remind me a bit of Kane now in that he's strong, but also has a burst of pace when needed. Uh, he gets around the pitch better than Kane, arguably. He's, he's good in the air because he's quite tall. I feel like Parrot could definitely play some minutes. And the important thing for him would be if he does get minutes, he's got to take those opportunities because they don't come around very often, Spurs. We, we've struggled to kind of bring through youth players in the last couple of years and he would need to make them count. One other thing on Parrot is that he, we don't know his contract expiry, but there's suggestions that it's either the end of this season or the end of next. And Mourinho is very clear that the next step for him needs to be that he needs to sign a long-term contract with Spurs. So I don't think he's going to get minutes until he signs a contract. Same with uh, Tanganga. Uh, so that is going to be an interesting situation and something to watch over the next month, sure. Uh, anything else to say on Kane? No. No. <laughs> I think there were on, on Parrot there were reports that like he's not even going to be considered for for a loan for a couple of years. So I think he's way mm. off playtime if that's any sort of basis. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. So I I feel like that as a blanket statement is um, not right. I I think each player needs to be looked at individually, and if if a loan at seventeen is appropriate, then th- th- appropriate. If it's not appropriate because they're not physically ready to handle a loan, or or if they're not literally mature enough in terms of their mentality, then fine. That's that's logic uh, but I've, I've got nothing against the 17 year old being sent out on loan if they're if they're ready for it every every player will develop at a different rate and they need to be seen as individuals rather than have blanket rules uh, for players or, or ideas it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. (laughs) 
Nathan, you put this, uh, so you put some data here in from Opta, have you? No, that was me. A body. So what, what have you got there? Um, just, um, so I was just looking back at the who's run the most and is there maybe a reason behind Deli Ali's kind of sloppy form today? And he ran over the Christmas period, he was the fifth highest in the Premier League. He ran um, a combined 45 kilometres. Uh, N'Golo Kante was top with 48 kilometres. So you can see the kind of mileage that he's put through his legs this Christmas. And um, yeah, it kind of maybe goes part way to explaining his, um, his, his yeah, the way he's moving and the way, um, the way he went at Middlesbrough today. Definitely lacking some sharpness against Middlesbrough look very heavy legged uh, needs a rest ASAP probably needs a couple of games off um, to, to get fit and firing again maybe but... you should kick a player with his studs and get himself a van yeah <laughs> the problem is that with Kane being out I, I don't think he's going to get a rest because mm. he'll probably be needed in the, in the penalty area so we'll see um, Nathan some scouting from you yeah, so I did a, a poll the other day uh, of a bunch of players that we've been linked with to see uh, which player uh, Spurs fans are wanting to know more about. Um, and you already have some knowledge on, on the player who came in third, QPR's Eze, so I wanted to ask you some questions about him, if that's all right. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so first off, how do you pronounce his first name? Uh, I believe it is Eberechi okay. Eze. Eberechi Eze. So uh, he's played like a mixture of different positions. He's played central midfield a lot, um, but I think he's more commonly seen as like a number 10 and he also plays out on the left wing. Where do you see him sort of um, pushing more towards as his career goes on or where do you see him playing more for Spurs? I see him... I Well, it's tricky because... It very much depends on what formation we end up playing. But if if uh, Mourinho ends up playing four three three, I would see him as one of the eight in a four three three, given Lice to run forward with the ball. Um, in in some ways, he's quite similar to Ndombélé in the way that he he plays and runs with the ball. But I wouldn't say he's got the same sort of positional discipline that we saw from Ndombélé in the in the Norwich match, for example. So he Eze will want to pick up the ball in the final third and run at defenders and commit them and and beat them with skill. Uh, Ndombélé will kind of beat a man and then look for a pass. That's that's the stuff of the. He, he can certainly play as a 10 he can play on the left as well he has played on the left this season but you get the most from him by playing him in the middle of the midfield okay so he's uh he plays on the left so he's right-footed yeah uh he's he's the kind of he's a bit like son in that he's very he dribbles with his right foot so if you watch him dribble nearly every touch will be with his right uh-huh. uh but uh he can shoot with his left and he scored a good number of goals with his left he's, i remember uh there's one goal which he scored for wickham where he came in off the right flank and curled a beautiful left-footed shot into the corner a la Son like the kind of goal that Son scored for us numerous times okay so is, is he more someone who will stick out when he's played wide and, and stay on the touchline or does he move inside more often yeah he'd definitely be coming inside off the touchline as often as possible so uh, like he would station himself initially wide and then look to run in off the left and get towards the edge of the box and try and link up with other players and, and, and make burst into the box yeah for sure is he making that movement once he's received the ball or, or... Or is he making like sort of off the ball movements inside? With the ball. So okay. someone like Sessegnon, for example, I think is very good at off the ball bursts from the, from the flank. Yeah. And, and will look to make runs in behind a fullback. Uh, Eze will want the ball to, to receive the ball in space to give him tight, some uh, some room to manoeuvre with. He's very skillful and quick footed and he looks to kind of suck a man in, beat him, go past him and then link up with another player. Okay. Would you say he's more sort of focused on his dribbling or his passing or sort of a, an equal mix of the two? Well, he's a very good passer there's an outrageous pass he did at the weekend just gone for QPR mm, in, in, a, in a healthy win uh, where he just like smashes this long flat pass uh, just perfectly onto the head of was it uh, Naki Wells I think for, I think he might have been his hat-trick goal or certainly second um, so he's, he's a good pa- 
passer, long and short range, but he he's very dribbly as well. Again, a bit like Ndombele, that he, you know, decent passing range, but also the, the most eye-catching stuff is for dribbling. Okay. Uh, is he more focused on creating shots for himself or for other players? So this is the bit where it'd be interesting to see how he translates to the Premier League, because I feel as though in the Championship, he, he finds it quite easy to create shooting opportunities for himself. Okay. Uh, but also he's very good at creating a yard and then sucking the last man into him so he can then lay off to someone else in the in the way that Ericsson's very good at I think um so yeah I'd say that that's going to be the most difficult thing for him to translate to the Premier League because he'll find more structured teams who are more organized and he'll find it more difficult to get shots okay. away um but yeah he's equally good I would say at creating space for himself or others so sort of he's he's the big man at QPR but he might translate to being more of a team player in a different situation so, definitely definitely yeah. okay and does he shoot from distance a lot or does he save his shots are inside the box not inside i wouldn't say he's he takes a lot of shots from the edge uh not we're not talking like andros townsend where he just picks up the ball and looks to shoot at every opportunity he's not like that at all uh but he's more than willing to trust himself from the edge of the box and i kind of like that that trust in his own ability to do that again similarly to son in the way that he would happily take on shots from the edge okay so you've mentioned um Ndombele, ericsson and son there and sessignon if there was one mm. player in the squad who you would compare him to overall who would that be and Dombele, uh okay. because he's he's dribbly and a clever passer and he's he's kind of he he's physically dominant which really helps but he's got so much uh, skill and trickery and the way the ball kind of sticks to his feet is, is very eye-catching so yeah Ndombele is the closest I would say alright brilliant thank you very much uh, so next week I will be looking at uh, Bubakari Samare uh, we had a question from uh, Anatole who he sent a really long email it was, really, it was a great email actually it's like very detailed kind of putting across what he wanted to ask about and I'm just going to focus on the question and then I might dip into a couple of the bits that he raised as we're talking about it he said if we start with the desire to evolve into a 4-3-3 which of our current midfield players actually fit in such a formation which of them are genuinely good enough i.e. Champions League quality level to do so for us and which players are likely to end up missing out so he's talking about um, Mourinho liking to start with a 4-2-3-1 when he joins a new club and then liking to uh, eventually move into a 4-3-3 and Bardi I think you've done some um, research on Mourinho's 4-3-4 so which which players do you think Bardi uh, naturally fit into a 4-3-3 formation and which would be good enough to do so well, I mean, obviously, Sun fits into that into that bracket. So does um, so does Lucas, I guess. Kane. Um, the midfield is a bit more complicated because I. <sighs> Other than perhaps Sissoko, there isn't. Re- I don't think we really have um, Sissoko and Ndombele. They're, those two really, but both of them would need a um, a top-notch defensive midfielder playing in the centre of it. A defensive midfielder that not only tackles and covers, but can actually pass and play at a tempo as well. So I think probably Ndombele and then Sissoko as a kind of B-Tech Ndombele replacement at times. Um, I know you, you'll probably get into it, but he does he does mention Delhi in this email, hmm. and I think I think Delhi is he, he is a question mark on where he plays. We've spoken already that he plays better when he's closer to Kane, so he could perhaps play in a kind of a lopsided four three three up front. But right now, the current player Delhi is. He doesn't work in um, in the middle. He, um, I just, I just don't, I don't know. There's something that he seems the shadow of the player when he plays deeper. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to explain it. But he could. He has the physicality and the skill and the touch to be a kind of a Pogba in a four-three-three. But he, he just doesn't seem to own the game like he does when he's um, further upfield and he can drift in and out of the flow of the game and just kind of arrive when he needs to. So he's a complication in that formation. But otherwise, I think probably only. 
Ndombele in our current midfield can play in in, in a proper trio. He also with Delhi, you'd lose his um, quick kind of one-touch passing around the edge of the book uh, and and his instinctive finishing if if you're playing him as one of the deeper three. So I would suggest, like Anatoly says, that Delhi would need to reinvent himself to play as a as a fluid a forward and in, in, as part of that front three. And uh, Nathan, how about you? What do you, what do you think in terms of our current squad? Yeah, definitely Delhi makes things complicated. I think Delhi is is one of the major reasons. So it's one of three major reasons that we saw a lot of the diamond under Pochettino is because of his yeah. his need to you know you want to get him in that space. But I I would be interested certainly to see him get some consistent game time as the most advanced midfielder in a midfield three. Mm. Um, if he was to be partnered by um, a fit and Dombele and um, a really high level uh, number six, I think that that could t- potentially be a very strong midfield. Um, similarly, if Ericsson was to stick around for some reason, he could also definitely play as, as the most advanced in that three. I mean, at the moment, he's, he's playing a lot of midfield as it is often in a, in a two, um, which is very unbalanced. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the short answer, who who can play in in that midfield is Ndombele and Delhi basically. Yeah, I, I think um, I think we forgot to mention Lacelso as well. I reckon he could play course, in the kind yeah. of furthest forward. And but what Delhi does have is that that ability to play one touch and move, and his ability to dribble. I think he has those assets to become a kind of Pogba type. Um, kind of forward cannon in a, in a three, but he just doesn't seem to. Um, he just doesn't seem to work for him. I don't know if that's a mentality thing or it's just he doesn't feel comfortable there. But I, he he has everything he needs to play that role, but he just doesn't seem to take it upon himself to do it. So I think for now he's definitely better further forward. But if he were to play further forward, let's let's say Kane's fully fit and he's playing as the um, the central player in the four three three, that leaves the left side for Delhi really, and that's also where Son plays his best. For- Football. So, are we saying then that one of them has to switch over to the right, or are we saying that it's a choice between Son or or Delhi in that formation? Because that that becomes very difficult. I mean, good in terms of rotation. We've just been saying that it'd be nice to have options so we can actually rest Kane and and perhaps you could play one of Son or Delhi through the middle, and Kane doesn't have to play every game. But you know, champion it's Champions League final day. You're, you're picking your best team. What, where would you end up playing Delhi in in that state body? I mean, I, I don't think Delhi off the right is such a problem. He's not a um, he's not player that's going to cut inside that take on a man cut inside and and hit it with his right foot so playing off the right I don't think is a problem and having the ability to switch the two over during the game is is not a bad thing Sun Sun is equally decent off both feet and there's plenty of examples of Sun working fine on the right hand side as well he scored some he scored some great goals the the one that sticks in my head is that he scored a kind of a blaster against Leicester a while ago and that was from the right hand side of the pitch as well and and the goal against Chelsea as well where he he outstripped him on that flank I, I definitely feel more comfortable with Son on the right than Delhi. Delhi doesn't really have a left foot to speak of. He kind of avoids using it at every possible opportunity. Mm. Um, Nathan, I think that's um, sorry. Just one more thing. I think that's a huge problem on in Delhi's game, and probably perhaps why he doesn't work as well in midfield because he just seems unwilling to to turn out of trouble. Um, the, the best central midfielders, Busquets, Xavi, all these guys, they get the ball into them, and you, you always see them pirouette out of trouble. Whether it's but they move left or they move right, and I. Perhaps Delhi's unwillingness to to move on to his left is what makes him kind of easy to tackle. Um, Dembele was an exception. He always going to go on his left, but he was so strong that he mm. could get away with it. Mm. Whereas I think Delhi, it's almost like if um, if he has a radar, he's he's kind of half the pitch is in darkness because he's just mm. refusing to to move on to the left. 
Yeah, that's fair. Um, Nathan, what what do you think Mourinho expects from his widest forward players in the fourth? Uh, well, we've seen some some interesting things with sort of the uneven defence and everything. I think generally in a four three three, like so, you can play Delhi wide in a four two three one because the uh, wider players are playing quite narrow. But in the four three three, generally you want them providing width a lot of the time. And I think that the right hand side role would be terrible for him, um, and the left wouldn't be great either. I just I don't I don't if you were to play a 4-3-3 um, I think it's fairly unlikely that you would want Delhi in the forward line at all I think that if we were to go in that direction um, then he would have to focus on developing as a midfielder hmm. okay do you, do you think finally Nate do you think there are legs to Anatoly's suggestion that um, Mourinho will try and move from a 4-3-3-1 or whatever he's trying to do now into a 4-3-3 long term um I, I don't think it makes a dramatic change to our, our issues, where the holes are in our squads, what it is we're trying right. to do. We have seen, I, I appreciate that he's, you know, really gone in depth in the question and, and, and addressed some of the points they're making and all of that already. But, but just to look at the question in a simple sense is we have played a 4-3-3 so far and it's mm. not done a huge amount for us. So it, it's certainly not as simple as just switching the formation up. Um, but it, it's something worth bearing in mind. But again, I think, you know, we, we desperately need a number six. If we want to focus on a four-three-three, then that we need to make sure it's number six who can progress the ball. Um, but otherwise, it's it's a similar story. I think we're all agreed, aren't we, that regardless of what formation it is, we end up playing a number six is an apt priority. Mm. Uh, a, a huge gaping need, uh, and I think Winks can, like we've said before, Winks can do a job in games like today where we're controlling possession. But I, I struggle with the concept of Wink have playing in midfield, for example, against Liverpool next Saturday. And let's talk about that. So we're the Saturday late kickoff against Liverpool at the Tottenham Hotspur stadium next Saturday uh Bardi how do you set up to play against Liverpool uh it's a I, you, Mourinho can't park the bus because he doesn't have a bus to park. We don't. We can't play defensive. I think we've just got to try and fill gaps and hit them on the counter. We don't have Kane to um, to play long, which might actually work for us because there's been times in the last um, year or so where he's been absolutely dominated by him, either Lovren or Van Dijk. So perhaps those two not having a um, number nine to push up against could cause could cause them a few issues. Um, I think definitely the break is going to be our way of. Of, um, killing the game but what we need to do is make sure that we don't make any stupid mistakes because they will punish us they've got um, they've got serious players as we as we know so I think we've got to try and keep it tight we've got to try and suck them in a little bit and hit them on the counter um, we've been really susceptible to balls down the inside of Vertonghen and Alderweireld so we're probably going to have to sit a little deeper than, than we usually like to How about you Nathan What do we have any chance in this game and if we do have any chance how do we get something from it? Uh, I think that if there's one thing that Mourinho is definitely still very good at, it's his uh, defensive medium block. So how we set up against Chelsea um, and like, okay, we lost that game, but I think that he demonstrated, uh, especially with the, the week he had available, his ability to to really shut a game down uh, and make no events happen at all for 90 minutes. Uh, the problem with that, and as we saw against Chelsea, is that we have an issue with from set pieces, which happens also to be a, a strength for Liverpool so if we can find a way to yet yeah, shut the game down with a medium block just man marking across the midfield and, and making things really unpleasant for Liverpool that way just force them to pass between their centre-backs all game um, then yeah we could we could coast to a draw um, but we have to somehow avoid giving up any set pieces 
or you know more than a couple of corners for that entire game mm. because once Liverpool, if Liverpool were to go ahead, we would be lost. Sure. Um, I, I, Sheffield United tried to do some of that stuff against them, and they still ended up losing heavily. And I, I do fear for this match. I mean, what do you think of this? I'm thinking four four two, low to medium block, doubling up on their fullback and keeping our front two high up against their centre backs to stop them committing too much. Basically, when the ball's over one side of the pitch, the winger on the opposite side tucks into match up to their midfield three because otherwise we are absolutely screwed. What do you think, Nathan? Any chance? Uh, so the in the sort of 4-4-2 versus 4-3-3, the spare man is their defensive midfielder. And uh, I think Fabinho might still be out, but um, then it'll be down to whether or not essentially Henderson can pick out the ball over the top um, mm. for, for 90 minutes, whether he can make that pass or not. And I, um, I think he's on pretty good form at the moment. He is, he is. Mm. So is that the game that you want? I mean, I so I, the main thing for me is that I'm worried about their fullback. They they're both ridiculous, but Alexander Arnold is in the absolute form of his life. Yeah, uh, he's he's kind of hit his peak at this point. I mean, he might he might get better, but I, I I'd be surprised if he does. Insane athletically and in terms of crossing ability and intelligence, and picking the right pass. Uh, he's he's ridiculously good. If we I, I think we have to try and shut their fullback space down by having two men directly against them both. It's it's insane to say that. Uh, so I'd be looking at playing Son and gosh probably Lamella or Lucas up front to try and keep their full back uh, sorry their centre backs pushed back which means then that they need to have one other player back uh, hopefully Henderson like you say and then I'd probably look at like Sissoko on one flank this this depends so much on Winks and Ndombele's fitness Sissoko on one flank and then Lo Celso or Lamella on the other just for tenacity and to kind of put some tackles and stop them having acres to run into but it's so, it's so difficult with all the injuries we've got in our squad and the low confidence and the fact that Liverpool are flying it's so difficult to sort of think of anything other than a, a level win um yeah i mean th- the good thing about that is the expectation is so low that yeah it would be thrilled with the draw right i think so i would definitely definitely take a draw even a nil nil uh right now obviously do you remember when um Nkudu, uh played and he was up against alexander arnold in maybe his debut or second or third game and we all went wow what a terrible player this is he can't even beat like the 16 year old kid that he's up against yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that feels like a light a, a, a century ago doesn't it <laughs> it does what a player Buddy, can you end on an optimistic note? Are we going to beat Liverpool? Liverpool have to lose eventually. They, it doesn't. This run doesn't continue until the end of time. Eventually, they have to lose. Could be us. There you go. <laughs> could be. It's, it could be us. I, if there's one positive to take from it, um, this amazing Liverpool team, the last three or four games they've had with them have been really tight. They've they haven't run us. They haven't run us over yet. So um, I, no, I I think we have. I think we have the tools to hurt them on the counter in the space. Alexander Arnold. Robinson love to go forward without Fabinho with Fabinho missing that's a huge that's a huge loss for them I think there's definitely there's definitely ways we can get at them um, if we minimise our mistakes then we can beat this team of course we can they're not they're not it's not like um, it's not the Coco Pops football team that come down and just can win any game from wherever they can be beaten you've been listening to The Extra Inch thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production thanks to Bardi for being Italian thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork Thanks to David Lindner for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindner. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Cool. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.